England is here for the Test Series against the Black Caps, so who's the danger man we should look out for? The White Ferns begin their battle in the Cricket World Cup in South Africa. It's two years since the review into abusive practices in gymnastics. Has anything changed? And the Super Bowl is only days away. We get a New Zealand perspective on how big a deal it is. Kia ora you, I'm Zoe George and this is The Podium. Sports news, but not as you know it, from Stuff. Well, the English cricket team is ready to face the Black Caps in two tests in Tauranga and Wellington. Amongst the tourists is 25-year-old top-order batter Ollie Pope. Pope is one to watch this tour, and under the guidance of Brenda McCullum, he's gone from strength to strength. In his last outing against the Black Caps, he scored 145. Yes, 145. So he is a danger man with the bat. He joins me now via Zoom from Hamilton where the team has assembled for a warm-up game where they've had a cracking start. Kia ora, Ollie. Hello, how you doing? Something you've talked about in regards to your playing is playing with no fear. So is that something you've been working on with Brendan and why was there fear for you to start with? Yeah, exactly that. Um, I think naturally in cricket you kind of get one shot and if you make one mistake then then you're out um and then I think I'll probably spend too long thinking about how not to get out rather than how I'm going to score my run so I think Baz uh, McCullum and Stokes have sort of led me into realizing you're going to get out at some point so you may as well just keep taking that that positive option um and they, they drive that forward and I think everyone feels the same yo cricket is a game of failure right I mean you're more likely to fail everyone gets out you may bowl on a dodgy ball or you may miss a catch or whatever you're more likely to fail than you are to win in cricket yeah exactly so you may as well try try get all your runs before you do fail at some point so yeah the quicker you do it the better sometimes <laughs> so what is it about Brendan McCallum's coaching style that's made such a difference in such a short time for you um I think he's kind of taken the pressure off our sort of techniques and stuff I think a lot of the time we feel like the English media have have torn our techniques apart um at times which has sort of probably had a negative impact on some of our games and it's kind of putting the focus back on back on our mindset and our, our focus on to sort of that the positive side of things rather than yeah like I said fearing getting out so it's realizing that cricket's not all about your technique but it's about yeah having that that positive mindset and always taking taking the positive option I think he really drives that forward. So obviously Brendan McCallum has played all around the world and all around New Zealand uh, and knows the grounds quite intimately here what kind of advice has he imparted to you and the team? Um, I think he keeps his advice pretty simple to be honest um Again, it's that positive mindset. And I think the, the wickets here, from a cricket point of view, they're a bit bouncier than the ones we have in England. So it's almost cashing in on your, your, your cuts and your pull shots. And, but he, he doesn't go too technical with it. It's very much about that, that positive mindset that he wants to keep throughout. Um, and yeah, he knows the pitches. Um, I think Mal Monganu, who played here a few years ago, and in the past, it's been a pretty good batting track. So hopefully, as a batter, hopefully it's more of the same. And even at the highest level at sport, sport should be fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why we started playing, because it's good fun. It's how you want to spend your weekends. And I think he sort of put, put the fun back into playing test cricket again. And I personally can't wait for this series to begin. And in the past, it was probably that that fear of failure and not wanting it to end rather than, oh, I can't wait to can't wait to get going in this series. And the importance of fun was something Brendan McCallum spoke about at a media conference Thursday morning. I think it's everything, to be honest. I think... In any job that you do, right, you want to have fun, otherwise what's the point of doing it? I think, you know, we get one crack at life and you've got some skills in something and you've got some aspirations and dreams in it, why would you not want to try and live those out and, and have a smile on your face while you're doing it? I think, you know, test cricket in particular, it's such a difficult game and 
and these guys have got so many options around the world now as well. It's not just about having fun on the field, it's about being able to create some memories and, and relationships and friendships which last well beyond um, your cricketing careers and that's, that's how I like to view this this time that we've got as a team. And, it's not always going to be rosy, but one thing you can do is keep bringing that same sort of positive attitude and, and belief and, and keep trying to look after one another and enjoy yourself. So, Ollie, is it true that Brendan McCullum would ask you for a lift, a ride to practice so he could chat with you in the car? Uh, yeah, he did actually, yeah, in the first series. I think he was just sort of trying to get around some of us young players who, who he knew some of us needed us, almost that clarity in the team and that that sort of backing from the management. And I think that's one of his ways to do it was sort of getting, spending a bit more time getting around us and really creating that personal relationship, which, uh, which you really feel as a player as well. And it's good to, good to feel wanted within the team. And that was probably one of his sort of strategies to make some of us younger guys sort of feel, feel like we belong at this level. Is it true that he appointed you captain at a recent tour warm-up, but told you casually over breakfast? Yeah, it was in uh, Dubai and we had a warm-up game. And I didn't even cross my mind. I knew Stokes he wasn't going to play. Um, and then, yeah, he just mentioned it to me sort of the, the day before breakfast, just casually over over a coffee. So there was no no big deal about it, but it was nice to nice to have that confidence from him. And I'm captaining the game that we're playing now as well. So hopefully I didn't do too bad a job. <laughs> well, if you're captaining now, then obviously you haven't. Um, I mean, other than being under Brenda McCallum, your leadership, being here in, in New Zealand, what's the biggest thing that you're looking forward to in regards to this tour? Um, I think that we obviously start at the Mount. I've played one game there before. I really enjoy the, the sort of different style of venue here in England. We've got those sort of stadiums, but here the grass banks I really enjoy. Um, so the cricket should be really good. We always have a good competitive series against the the, the Kiwis. Um, so that that's really exciting. We've also been lucky enough to play some great golf as well. And and every single day off that we have, the boys the boys love it. So um, yeah, the boys have loved every minute of being on the golf course as well as the cricket pitch. And you can read more from our interview with Ollie at stuff.co.nz. The Women's T20 Cricket World Cup kicks off in South Africa in just a couple of days' time. Amongst the senior group of players anchoring the side is Wellington Blaze batter Maddie Green, who made her debut for the Ferns in the shortest format of the game almost 13 years ago to the day. Fun fact, she is ranked second for playing the most innings before scoring her first duck in T20 with 41 straight games, sitting behind famed Australian Meg Lanning, Maddie Green, White Fern. Kia ora, welcome. Thank you. That's a good stat. I didn't know that stat. So that's quite good. It's always nice to throw a bit of googly in there sometimes, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. All right, World Cup. What's the game plan? Well, I think most importantly, we've got the two biggest teams in our pool straight away. So we've got to sort of hit the ground running, I think. Um, obviously, we've been talking about in that Bangladesh series, it's just been trying to put 160 on the board. Um, I think you put 160 on the board in a world event. Um, I think it's a pretty competitive total. So that's sort of what we're aiming towards as a batting unit and trying to get that. And it's just our style of play and trying to take the game on. So, um, look, I think everything that we've been doing is sort of building towards that game plan of trying to make 160. Um, we've obviously got, um, I think, a really well-rounded bowling unit now. We've got, um, you know, sort of all bases covered, I think. Realistic outcome. I mean, I know if we, it was a wee while ago now, but bronze medal at Commonwealth Games. Uh, so can we do one better and make it to the final? 
Yeah, I definitely think so. I think the aim is to always get out of your pool because once you get into semi-finals, it's kind of anything can happen. So first and foremost, um, we've got two massive games against Australia and South Africa first up. We've got to win at least one of those. Hopefully both would be really nice and qualify top of the table. Um, and then once we get to the semi-finals, it's just kind of see what happens and, and you know put our best foot forward and who knows. Yes, the home team, South Africa, but you've got a not-so-secret weapon now in Mornay Morkul. What is he injecting into the side? Yeah, it would be really cool, obviously, just having his experience. um, Obviously, we think it's going to be pretty seam-friendly conditions over in South Africa, and he's played a lot of cricket there and and was an amazing bowler in his own right. So just to have that experience and local knowledge of the grounds we're going to play at, um, I think it's going to be really invaluable for our seam bowling lineup in particular, and as well as our batters and and other members of our side. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to working with Mornay. Um, He's sort of one uh, one of those players I've I've watched when I was younger and and love watching play cricket. So um, I'm probably going to be a little bit of a fangirl initially. (laughs) We've got to play it cool. Um, But, yeah, really looking forward to working with him. Uh, And so the toughest competition, Australia, uh, and you've got Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, South Africa in your pool. You've played Bangladesh last year, but you haven't had really a lot of cricket, international cricket. I mean, you had the Com Games, you had the Bangladesh series, and now you've had Super Smash. How do you keep that momentum up? Yeah, it's a tricky one. we're really fortunate leading into the World Cup. We actually got some unofficial warm-up games against England, which is going to be fantastic. So we're playing them in three games before we actually kick into the official warm-up games. Though, yeah, look, hasn't been heaps of international cricket for us of late. Um, fortunately, we've had a lot of T20 cricket. We've had girls at the Women's Big Bash and then also in the Super Smash before that. So it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, we're obviously in South Africa early, getting used to those conditions and playing a top-class team in England first as well. Ben's sort of got the stat for us that Australia always lose the first pool game that they play in the last sort of couple of T20 World Cups so it'd be great if we could keep that trend going I think. Oh 100% come on White Ferns you can do it. Alright before I let you go we've got some quick fire questions are you ready? Oh yes. Alright what's one thing that is always in your kit bag? Oh these aren't quick fire um, <laughs> Oh sunglasses. I've got to have my sunglasses. I always find it so hard fitting without my sunnies on because I just yeah, my eyes are getting older and yeah it's a bit glary so I've got to have my good sunnies on what are your superstitions going into a game? I'm terrible. I do everything the same all the time. So uh, left pad on before my right. Um, I've actually come into the bad habit of not wearing my thigh pad lately because when we went to the West Indies, I ran myself out a couple of times, decided I was too slow, so I took my thigh pad off in the next few games and made runs. So I haven't been batting in T20 cricket without my thigh pad lately, which is possibly a bit stupid. But yeah, that might, that, might, that tradition might continue. Well, White Fern, Manny Green, it's been magnificent having you on the podium. All the best for the T20 World Cup. Go the White Ferns! It's two years since the review into gymnastics was released following a staff investigation that uncovered allegations of psychological, physical and verbal abuse, including fat shaming, athletes being expected to compete while injured and score fixing and judging. The 60-page review offered more than 50 recommendations spanning child protection, upskilling of coaches, transparent judging, education and development opportunities and a complaints mechanism. But in two years, how much has really changed? One former elite-level athlete said parts of the sports community still don't recognise that abusive practices took place, while a parent said she's still trying to resolve a complaint that she lodged more than two years ago. The head of the committee set up to implement the recommendations, Sally McKechnie, says it is committed to responding in a, quote, thorough and robust manner that puts the gymnastics community first. 
Gymnastics New Zealand is accountable to Sport New Zealand and Chief Executive Raylan Castle says it is challenging work that must be done well and done right, but she's keen to see the group continue to prioritise areas of integrity and the well-being of those in sport. But questions remain for those who experienced historic harm and are still waiting for clear change. Here's what else is making headlines. LeBron James, a shot in history. LeBron James has just become the NBA's all-time highest ever points scorer with 38,388 points and broke the record that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar held for nearly four decades. The Breakers have secured a home semi-final in the first of three-game playoff series starting Sunday, a huge turnaround from last year. The Super Smash Cricket Finals are happening on Saturday at Hagley Oval in Christchurch, the Canterbury Kings host, while the Wellington Blaze will chase a record seventh title. And the Women's India Premier League auction is happening early Monday morning with 19 New Zealand women's players up for auction, with some players possibly going for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Skier Alice Robinson has started her 2023 FIS Alpine World Ski Championship campaign, claiming a seventh place win in the Super G overnight. In rugby news, All Blacks' Dane Coles has announced he will retire at the end of 2023 and Brody Ritalik will play overseas in 2024. And best of luck to those competing in the coast-to-coast longest day that takes athletes from the West Coast to Christchurch and the Tarawera Ultra Marathon, both on Saturday. Hope the weather plays ball for you. Guess what? It turns out you love women's sport. And you've stayed engaged following the Black Ferns' magnificent Rugby World Cup win. That's according to new research from Dot Loves Data. His co-founder, Dr. Paul Bracewell, to tell us more. The spike there going through uh, through April, and that's, that sort of coincides with the, the review and Wayne Smith being appointed as a coach and then dipped away a little bit. And then the, the Pacific Cup comes up and massive jump. And then then there's the build-up into the World Cup. And that you talk about a wave, it's a massive wave. And just builds and builds and builds and builds. And then it just sustained itself all the way through December. And then there's New Year's and everything goes quiet. <laughs> but we've got Opeki coming up really soon yes. in March. So will you be gathering data around that as well? Yeah, we're we always always tracking, always monitoring what's going on because it's this, this is what's important. Why? Why is it important? Well, it's visibility. And when there's visibility, there's accessibility and there's relatability. And you, you think a packed stadium because people could relate to them. And seeing seeing Ruby Tui, the way she speaks um, and just the energy, it's just awesome. Um, and I look at my daughter and she loves the black ferns and she can relate to them and she can see, okay, it's I, I can see a pathway here and, and for rugby. Do you think and does your data show that because the black ferns are so relatable, that's why people were coming in to engage with them and kind of, was it Ruby Tui who was the most popular? Yeah, Ruby Tui was the most popular. Um, and then we, you, what we're able to do is actually drill down in terms of key emotions um, and one of the what we like to see with sporting events is anticipation as being a key emotion and joy and because then you know you've got something that's exciting um, and you, you, you're, you're, you're wait, you can't wait for it to happen. So seeing joy and anticipation come through and we saw that with the Black Ferns. 
the Super Bowl is the most watched event in the US sporting calendar, and in 2022, 99.1 million Americans watched it. It kicks off Monday morning New Zealand time with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs facing off for the ultimate title. The American football final is being held in Arizona to ensure no hometown advantage. One of those playing for the Eagles is offensive tackle Jordan Mailata of Samoan Heritage, who started playing league in Australia for the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs under-18 team and then the South Sydney Rabbitohs under-20s. Mark Noah was one of the first players from this part of the world to play in the American Football League, and he joins us now. Kia ora, Mark. Morning. How are you? Good. You're in New Zealand and in many of our Pacific nations. We play rugby. So is there any form of translation there? Um... Not really. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Yeah, if, if you're, you know, position specific, you know, lump of the land that I was, you know, rugby and rugby league was just too much running, you know, to carry 150 Ks or whatever around the field. So American football, uh, you know, playing on on the line, you know, you can be 150 as, as what Jordan is, 165, 170, and all you're doing is just pushing people around. You know, you're 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 a moving wall more or less. So you don't have to run further than, you know, 20 yards down the field. Physicality and physical strength are obviously a very important part of the offensive tackle position. But what else do you need to be able to compete at this highest level uh, in the position that both you and Jordan play in? Well, we need that agility. So he's got to be able to block somebody that's in front of him. And if that person decides to run 50 yards laterally, he's got to stay with him. Watching Jordan play, he just... I get excited because he's a, he's a mobile, hostile individual. A mobile, hostile individual. That's the type of person you want on your team when you're competing for the Super Bowl. Um, he seems to be absolutely loved by his teammates because of his singing and his laid-back nature. How does a Pacifica background fit in with the, with the NFL? Well, how can you not like the big guy? I mean, you know, he sings, he plays an instrument. Yeah, uh, the rest of us knuckleheads, you know, we're, we're just big and strong. Uh, but this kid, good looking, easy going. <laughs> what do you think it will do for kids who have that dream, who think the NFL is a possibility for them? Is I mean, we were talking about the stats earlier and the percentage chances of playing in the NFL, but but it, it is possible. Well, you know, half a percent, you're right, it's still possible. You know, it's very limiting, but, you know, Jordan's proved it. Dave Dixon, a Māori boy from out, out south. He had a long, distinguished career up there. So, you know, it, it's possible. And we're, we're lucky even more so today. How's uh, Jordan's following in the Samoan community here? I'm sure he's, you know, he's well, he's well known. Uh, what he's accomplished over there is, is remarkable. Uh, so not only on top of that, but he's, you know, he signed a pretty decent contract extension last year so you know the wealth he's going to earn over the next four years is you know the generational wealth where you know he can look after his future his future family so and that's all we want right mark noah he described american football as a game of physical chess love it Hey, producer Jono. Hello, Zoe. We're here in the Wellington studio. Yay. <laughs> um, anyway, will you be watching the Super Bowl? 
Um, I'll be watching halftime at the Super Bowl. Yeah? Yeah, I think you and I are a halftime show kind of people, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Okay, who's your favourite? It's got to be Left Blue Shark from Katy Perry in 2015. I'm sorry, you cannot beat Lady Gaga jumping off the roof of a stadium. It gave me absolute life. Oh, so good. Or, you know, the term wardrobe malfunction was coined out of the Super Bowl halftime because of Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake in 2004. Yeah, the, the um, invert commas, accident. Free like... the nipple. <laughs> um, and it's going to be Rihanna this year. It is so exciting. Rihanna, I mean, we all seen the Fenty fashion shows. She puts on a hell of a gig, so I think this is going to be absolutely stunning. Do you reckon she can top last year with Dr. Dre and Eminem and Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige and Snoop Dogg? Of course she can. Rihanna's an absolute queen. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be her. And that's it for the podium. I'm Zoe George, and on behalf of our guests this week, producer John O'Williams, Philippa Tully, and audio editor Connor Scott, thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us via email, thepodium at stuff.co.nz. Will you be watching the Super Bowl or the halftime show or the ads? Let us know. And don't forget to like and follow wherever you get your podcasts from so you never miss a new episode. Until next week, kakete no, go well. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs>